Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time. We're in the book of Luke now. We've, we've done Matthew, Mark, and John. And now uh, we're working through Luke. We're in chapter 15. When we finish the book of Luke, we'll be moving into the book of Acts because they go together nicely. And just as a review to get this stuff into all of you really well, um, Luke wrote this book. And he wrote the book of Acts. He wrote them to a person whose name was Theophilus, which means lover of God. And so there has been some discussion that maybe Theophilus wasn't a real person, but he was just writing it to all the lovers of God, and that works too. But uh, uh, we believe, you know, through church history, that it was written to a person named Theophilus. Uh, it was written uh, to Gentiles in particular, and that the great focus uh, throughout Luke and Acts is about how to get saved, really, and what that looks like. And um, Luke, very similarly to Matthew and Mark, present, uh, presents the gospel of Jesus in very similar ways uh, as those two. John was a little different in the way that he came at it, but, um, but each of the gospels has a little different focus, and, and Luke's was primarily to the Gentiles. And so we have been... Um, reading through Luke and discussing Luke together. We've seen in, I think, the last four, five, five chapters, six chapters, this uh, uh, Jesus really telling the crowds they needed to make a choice. And we, we saw how in chapter 9, way back in chapter 9 of Luke, the disciples demonstrated that they had chosen him and would follow him. And in response um, to that, he's begun to teach them more directly and, and less often to the crowds. And he's added parables into the mix, and he's done some other things. But he has, in every chapter through there, um, been emphasizing to the Pharisees that, that they need to choose. The, the people of, uh, of Israel need to make a choice to follow him, and that sitting on the fence isn't an option. And that's been the story throughout the chapters that we've been looking through. Luke 15 takes a, a slightly different turn, and, and uh, the... Uh, the big shift that you're going to see is this, and I'll explain it more after I, I read the text, but um, in many of the stories that we've seen building up to this point, we've seen how the Pharisees don't care about people. They've lost compassion. Um, people can't get to God through them, which is what was supposed to happen. They've made it impossible to get to God by their actions and the way they live. And they, they often just use people... Um, like pawns. They don't care about them, they just sort of use them. And, and uh, we, they keep trying to use people to trap Jesus because they just don't care about them. We've seen it over and over and over again. In Luke 15, Jesus, um, in these three stories, is going to demonstrate the value of people and, and how this is so radically different than the way that the Pharisees operate. And we'll see that Jesus is instructing... Uh, uh, those who are listening, and particularly his disciples, on the value of people. And that this is the heart of the, the message. This is the heart of the gospel, is that God values people. And that he's making a way for them in Christ to be restored to relationship. And so, in chapter 15 and 16, you're going to see that demonstrated in the stories that we read. So, let's look at, look at, let's look at Luke. That's kind of funny. It could be Luke at look. I don't know. 
I shall now endeavor to read <laughs> Luke chapter 15 while you follow along. I'm reading out of the NIV, which is what's in your notes, or you can pick up your Bibles and, and whatever translation you have. Follow along with me. And uh, only 32 verses in Luke chapter 15, so let's, let's get through it. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and following. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, as we dig into this, this chapter, we, this concept appears. And, and the concept is this, that, that people are the prize. People are the prize. That's how God sees people. Unlike the Pharisees that don't value people at all, Jesus tell, tells his disciples that people, and in particular sinners, if you want, have value. And, um, you, you know, last week, if you were here on the weekend, uh, we talked about standing alongside the broken. And those same principles are all throughout this particular um, chapter of Scripture in Luke chapter 15. And so the, the first couple of stories are found there in Luke 15, 1 through 10. I want to get through those and then we'll go through the, the last one together. Um, the Pharisees are muttering about Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And if you were here, and you've heard me say this before, they're, they're, it's funny that they're given different groups, sinners and tax collectors. The reason is that tax collectors were considered worse than your run-of-the-mill sinners. And, and that the reason for that is, if you wonder the difference, the... The tax collectors who were from Israel worked for the Romans and the vast majority of the people of Israel um, hated the Romans because they had occupied their land and they were basically under their um, control. They were, they were, in, you know, they were su- subject to Rome. And what Rome did when it colonized the world... Um, they would uh, overtake a country uh, in whatever way they were going to do that and they would primarily leave them to rule themselves Uh, they'd have their own sort of officials in place but they would be required to pay taxes to Rome and Rome would garrison a big army there so they didn't get up and at them that's how they would keep them controlled and so um, the people had some measure of self-governance but ultimately taxes needed to be paid to Rome to keep their big armies in place and to keep everything going. And um, the people of Israel obviously hated that. So you, you still see when you read the Gospels, if you wonder why, Rome's in charge, and yet there's all these uh, Israeli officials in place, including the Pharisees and, and different layers of government, because Rome's allowed them to stay there to sort of take care of the local situation. Um, and so the tax collectors, I got off track quick, the tax collectors worked for the Romans and so they were hated by the people of Israel and they wouldn't have anything to do with them. They weren't allowed in the synagogue, they weren't, you, weren't, you didn't have any, they didn't go into people's homes. They were, they were the lowest of the low. And so they get their own sort of uh, uh, tagline in the scriptures apart from the sinners. It's not like they weren't sinners, they were. They were like worse than sinners, if that's possible. Because we talked about that in the message last weekend too. There's, there's no such thing as a sin scale. Sin is sin. And yet, they break it down for us this way here. As they were viewed by the Pharisees. Because that was what the Pharisees were complaining about. How can Jesus hang out with people like this? Because they wouldn't. See, they, they, they had withdrawn from people and made it impossible for people to get to God. Because all of us are sinners. And that's when Jesus begins to tell these stories about the value of people. The first is about a man with a hundred sheep who who loses one. He goes out and looks for it, and he rejoices when he finds it. 
And the second of those stories about a woman who loses a coin and that she'll hunt for it until she finds it and then she rejoices. And the point of the parables is that it's the same way for God, only with people. For God, it's not about sheep and it's not about coins. It's about people. That's his heart for people. People are lost, separated because of sin. And yet, God's heart is that people respond, repent, and through Christ be connected to him again. Because they have value, see. And, and, and that's what we have to begin to understand in this process. And that, that to God, people are the prize. And that there's rejoicing in heaven every time one sinner repents and makes his way to Jesus. It's, it, it's, it's what it's all about, see. And, and Jesus is making this point very clear. That's not how the Pharisees look at things. Remember, it's important for us to know this because last week, I, I, last weekend, I talked about that we have, all of us have within us a tendency to become like the Pharisees. And we have to be aware of it. And, and at the heart of it, it begins to devalue people. And, and we, we call it whatever it is. But anytime we begin to judge and criticize and label, we're devaluing people. And that's not God's heart. God has, sees people as people of value. And so, so we are so individually important to God that when one person repents and saves, there's joy, not only for God, but for all those who, who have the heart of God as well. Um, maybe we could say this, because I think this is what's important. What you need to know is that in, in, with God, people aren't pawns used to... Um, used to sort of get to a certain objective people are the objective and there's a huge difference and, and that's what we have to know see that's the heart of God people are the objective with God he's for us he's with us he's making a way he's doing all those things because he's for us and so we have to see that that's the heart of these stories with, with God and that's what Jesus is telling his disciples people are the objective that's what matters and then he goes on to further illustrate this with the story that most of you know as the prodigal son. Um, most people have heard of the prodigal son story. Uh, and I always like to call this story the story of the loving father because I think that's really what it illustrates even better. But nonetheless, you, you get the idea and the picture. And um, it's a perfect follow-up to the point that Jesus just made because it demonstrates how much... God really loves us and that we're the prize. And that even after we have repeatedly rejected him and gone our own way, he's always watching and waiting for us to repent, to turn, and to come back. And the illustration of this story, just so you don't miss it, um, it's, it's significant because um, there, there are some things, and I'm sure you're aware of them, but they're, they're worth sort of going over in the way that he tells the story. The first off, the first thing you need to know is that when the, when the son says, I want my inheritance now, he is in effect saying to the father, listen, I just can't wait around any longer for you to die. So how about giving me what's coming to me now? It, 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 it couldn't be more disrespectful. It couldn't have been more offensive to the people who heard it than just that it's like the top offense that you could have come up with. Dad, yeah, whatever. I can't wait for you to die any longer. Give me my cash. I'm out. And, and, and the father does. 
And then he, so, so you need to see the, the offense here because he's dealing with the Pharisees now that are judging Jesus for being with sinners and tax collectors. And he's about to demonstrate the depth of the love of God and the value that God has on people. So he starts with his story. Okay, so here's this kid who says, I can't wait for you to die, give me my money, and the dead does, and he goes off. And what's he do? He squanders it on wild living. He, he doesn't do good things with the money. And he's out there spending the money, spending the money, and then the money runs out because he wasn't a good steward of the money. He wasted it on wild living. At the same time, the land that he's living in experiences a famine. And so you might find this to be true in your own experience. Uh, all the time that he had plenty of money, he had plenty of friends. <laughs> the money went out, and guess what? There wasn't a friend to be found. He didn't have any real friends. And he gets desperate. He's starving. And so he's got to get a job. And, and this was a prominent kid in a prominent house. Now he's got to get a job. And the only job that he can find is on a pig farm. Now, you have to take that to another level because understand that, that to a Jewish audience, that would be about as bad as a thing as could happen to you because they, they have a thing about pigs anyway. So here's the illustration, right? And the, he's so hungry that he, he would happily eat pig food, and yet they don't even give him pig food. So I don't know if you've ever seen pig food before. But you'd have to be pretty hungry to want to eat pig food. It's not pleasant. <laughs> so the ones laughing the hardest have been around pig food. You just wouldn't eat pig food. But pigs love it. So he can't even get pig food. And then the, the turn there, see, this is what's very important to see. It says, when he came to his senses. See, that's huge. That's, that's significant. And, and that's what it takes for all of us in life is, is hopefully that all of us hit that point where we come to our senses. Because, see, we've all been prodigals. We've all walked away from God. We've all done it our way. We've all gone our own way. It's, it's, it's the story of every one of us. And yet the hope is at some point on the journey we come to our senses that through whatever series of events has to happen that we finally come to our senses. Some people come to their senses very quickly. God bless. Some of us, it took a lot worse <laughs> to go, hey, maybe I don't have this all figured out. You, I'll tell you another one of my favorite stories. I have time. It was Maybe I've told you this before, but whenever I think about coming to your senses, I think of this guy I knew. His name was Walter. And I knew Walter as a new Christian when I was a new Christian. And uh, I liked Walter, and, and Walter at that point in his life was always reading the Bible, and uh, he, he was fun, and he was interesting, and he was, he was kind of good to hang around. And as a new Christian, I, I, just, I, I enjoyed being with him. And um, he, like, you know, like me coming into it, had a pretty checkered past and uh, a lot of things that had happened in his life. And he told me this story one time, and I'll, I'll never forget it. So um, Walter spent his whole life, um, uh, well, a period of his life, not his whole life, but a period of his, of his life, thinking he was smarter than everybody else. He, he would admit it. He just thought, thought he was a step ahead of everybody else. He was a little bit smarter than everybody else, and he had everything figured out. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I'll tell you what happened. I was in the middle of my second two-year stint in prison. <laughs> when I woke up and said, Wait a minute. <laughs> if I'm really smarter than everybody else, why am I here in prison? 
And it was at that moment that he came to his senses. But that's what it took. The second time he was in prison, the middle of it, he had a, an epiphany. And we're like, oh, maybe I'm not so smart. Maybe I need a little help. Maybe there is another way. And so, so, and all of us have, uh, in the room, hopefully, you've all had that experience. We finally come to your senses. Whatever it took, for like I said, for some of us it was really hard. For others it was, you know, just all of a sudden they went, yeah, this ain't working. And they, they come to their senses. And that's what happened. Just one other little story about Walter. Um, he told me one time that he grew up his whole life until he was 30, and he'd never had a freezy headache. You know what I'm talking about? Has everybody here experienced a freezy headache? I don't know what you call them, brain freeze whatever crazy headaches and when he was 30 this is Walter <laughs> Walter said he stopped at a, had a quick mart or a Tom Thumb or 7-Eleven or somewhere and he got him one of those icy things and he, he said <laughs> he said he was just having a big old sip of that <laughs> when all of a sudden this thing happened to him for the first time at 30 he'd never had the discussion with anybody been around and seen it <laughs> and he pulled over and he was sure he was dying that his brain was exploding <laughs> he was having a tumor and so <laughs> He just kind of laid on the side of the car for about ten minutes. And then it, it stopped. And he, he finally asked somebody, I had this thing happen. And they were like, dude, you never had a brain freeze, really? And you're smarter than everybody else? Okay. Last story about Walt. But can you, and then I, because I think about that. Can you imagine if you'd never had one and you had one all of a sudden and no one was there to explain to you what was happening? Ah! And we're not very smart. I get them when I drink iced coffee things. And yet I'll, I'll get one. And then as soon as it passes even a little bit, I get another sip of the iced coffee. It's like, duh. Ah! Okay, I'm off track. Um, so he comes to his senses. Now here's, here's where the story gets cool. So he heads back. But and he, in, in his mind he thinks, okay, listen, I, I know I've blown it. There's no way I can get back because I've... I've been I've insulted him so bad. I've, I, the offense that I've committed is is you know, but maybe just maybe, he'll see his way clear. Letting me be a servant there at the house because the servants have it way better than I got here on the pig farm. And so he he works up his whole deal what he's going to say, and he heads back. And yet it says that while he was a long way off, the father sees him, and goes running out to greet him. And and he tries to get out this rehearsed sort of confession, and the father just kind of breaks it off. He just says, I'm glad you're home. You're my son. I love you. And he clothes him, and, and he, 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 he blesses him, and he puts the family ring back. I mean, he, he, makes him, he doesn't take him as a servant. He takes him back as part of the family. You're in. You're my son. It doesn't matter what you did. You're back. That's all that matters. You've come to your senses, and you're back. And we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. Because that's what happens when something that's lost is found when it has value. And people have value to God. And, and, and so this is the, the part of the story. Now, it goes on to talk about the older son. And the older son represents the Pharisees. And the Pharisees can't get over this whole thing that, that, that somehow in Christ, God is reconciling these people. And they don't want to have anything to do with it. That, that's what they're, they're being the older son. What are you doing? You know, they, they've been out there. They've gone and done things that we've never done. They're not, they're not worthy. They can't. We don't want them in here. And, and that's the attitude of the older brother. And yet the father, and what you need to see in the story is, not only did the father run out to the prodigal son, the father runs out to the Pharisees and says, come to the party. It's a feast. Don't you get it? 
They're coming back. They have value. They're coming home. Come celebrate with us. And they won't come. No. We're not coming. They don't see it. To them, all that matters is that they've stayed there and done the hard work. And they've done the things they were supposed to do. And darn it, that's it. That's all that matters. People don't matter. It's doing this thing and, and following the rules. And that's it. And they miss the heart of God in the process. And, and that's the story that, that's happening here in Luke 15. And, and, and so they're, they're so unmoved by the joy of the Father in the repentance of lost sinners that they don't get it. And so our ongoing question, I said this on the weekend, has to always be, who are we being more like in the way that we're living our lives in relationship with other people? Are we being like God who sees people as the prize? Or like the Pharisees, more concerned about form, rules, and regulations. That's the ongoing thing. That's what we've always got to be working on. And then, you know, our prayer needs to be, God, help us to live lives in such a way that we would never become a people whose actions actually cut people off from experiencing the life that can be found in you. And and that's where we sort of have to go with that. And that's what's important. And it's 8 o'clock. And and so I'm done. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. If you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. I will uh, uh, see you in the near future, I'm sure. And uh, they'll pray for you up there. But we're going to go ahead and uh, pray tonight. So thanks for watching. You can turn.